Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for blessing us with another day to worship you. Lord God, we pray that you would humble our hearts, that you would quiet them, Lord, from the things that can distract us now, that we would be able to focus on you and worship you together this morning. We pray, Lord God, that your word would penetrate deep into our hearts. Lord, that you would give us open ears uh, to hear you, Lord, and to respond to you. And we pray that you would place your word upon our lips that we might faithfully proclaim it. Lord God, in your grace and in your mercy, we pray that you would unite us as the body of Christ, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Please be seated. Morning! Super great to see you all this morning. When I was getting ready to go to Seven Hills for middle school, I was about to start fifth grade, I was terrified. Terrified, right? Not about the classes, not about the teachers, not about the big kids, the eighth graders. I was terrified about the lock on my locker. (laughs) Right? It was one of those master lock uh, combination locks. Right, so it had the big silver chrome body with um, the hoop and everything, and then the black dial. That thing petrified me. Right, I was getting like heart palpitations thinking about that lock. It was like, to me, it looked like Fort Knox. Right, how could I ever, in between classes, hope to get into that locker and get stuff out of there? There was like no way, it was never going to be possible. Right, it was totally overwhelming. Because those things are confusing, right? Oh, man, you have to turn it three times to clear it, right? Three times to the right. Then you turn left. How many times? You've got to pass your first number, right? And then you go to your second number. Oh, my gosh. That's, and, then, and then what do you do? You go to the right again until you get to your third number. No passing the other number on that, that to the right thing, right? And if you mess it up at any time, boom, right to the beginning. Right, complete reset. The only way to start is that three turns to the right again. I mean, come on. That's traumatic. I couldn't imagine trying to get in there. It was like cracking into a vault. How could I do it? How could I ever possibly work this lock unless somebody taught me? Unless somebody guided me in the process? I needed somebody to show me how to work this thing because it seemed impossible without somebody else's help. Something like that, I think, is happening in our lesson from Acts. We have here the story of Philip. And Philip's whole life story is super interesting. Well, at least the part we get in Acts. We don't get everything about him. But uh, we only get a chunk of it in this reading, so I'd like to give you more of an overview before we jump into our passage from today. Philip is introduced as one of the seven who were made deacons in chapter 6 of the book of Acts. Those seven were chosen for being known of having a good reputation, being full of the Spirit, and full of wisdom. Are those good reasons to choose somebody? Yeah, that's pretty good. That's not bad, yeah. If you're going to pick people, being full of wisdom, having a good reputation, and full of the Spirit, not a bad thing. He was selected to take care, he among with the other deacons, they were selected to take care of the distribution of food to the Hellenist, or Greek-speaking widows, in the Jerusalem church. So they do this, and things are going great, right? Everybody is happy. The church is growing like crazy. People are being healed and set free from bondage. There is awesome stuff going on in this church. 
until Stephen is arrested, a fellow deacon of Philip's. He's arrested and killed by the Jewish leadership for proclaiming Jesus as the Messiah. At this point, according to the book of Acts, a great persecution arose against the church in Jerusalem. And like the seeds on a dandelion, they scatter. They scatter. The apostles stay in Jerusalem, but the rest of them, they all go out through Judea and Samaria. Now it's interesting because these people who scatter, they don't just hole up in a safe house waiting for things to calm down. Instead, according to the beginning of chapter 8, it says those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Even though they left Jerusalem because of fear for their lives, everywhere they went, they carried with them the message of good news in Jesus Christ, and they preached it. They were not afraid. They were not timid. They were bold in their proclamation of the good news. And so here we pick up with Philip again in our passage for today. Philip is directed, uh, so he's, Philip's been in Samaria, preaching the gospel, casting out demons, healing the paralyzed and lame, otherwise not really doing much. Right? And then, and then Philip is directed by an angel of the Lord to get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so what does Philip do? He goes, right? He goes. Angel speaks to him, Philip picks up and goes. Down the road comes an Ethiopian eunuch. And kids, if you're curious about what a eunuch is, ask your parents after church. Uh, he is a court official to the queen of the Egyptians. And he is, or the Ethiopian, sorry. And he is in charge of her entire treasury. He has been in Jerusalem to worship God which meant that he probably was a God-fearer, as they were called, or a Gentile who worshipped God but had not yet converted to Jerusalem. That group of people were called God-fearers. They feared God but hadn't become Jews yet. And he is seated in his chariot and reading from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. The Spirit tells Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip does it. He picks up, runs over there, And here's the Ethiopian eunuch reading from Isaiah, and he asks him a question. He says, do you understand what you are reading? Do you understand what you are reading? This is a great question because it gets to the heart, right? It says, are you really getting what you're reading? Is it making sense to you? Do you understand the the connection that Isaiah is preaching or, or writing about to what has happened in Jerusalem recently. Do you understand what you're reading? The Ethiopian eunuch replies, How can I unless someone guides me? And with that, he invites Philip to join him in his chariot. Now here's the passage that the Ethiopian eunuch is reading from. It says, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth, In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch asks Philip, Who's the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Is Isaiah speaking about himself? Is this him talking about his own life? Or is he talking about another person? Is Isaiah referencing someone else who is to come? 
Philip seizes this opportunity and beginning with this scripture, proclaims the good news about Jesus Christ. He explained to this eunuch that Jesus was the sheep who was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb that was silent before its shears, so Jesus was in his trial. He did not try to defend himself. He did not try to get off from the charges. Instead, he allowed an great injustice to be done to him. Justice was denied to Jesus, just as Isaiah had foretold. Jesus fulfilled that. But his death was not the end. In his death, life was promised for all. Philip would have explained to him how Jesus was the Messiah who took away the sins of the world. Then the eunuch sees water, which was exceedingly rare in that region. It was pretty arid out there. And he asks to be baptized. Philip does it, and then bam! Philip is taken by the Spirit of the Lord from that place to Azotus, where Philip continues preaching the gospel to whomever he comes into contact with. Now this account, this story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, is one that captivates my mind. I mean, it has all these exciting elements that would be great on film, wouldn't they? I mean, it is like made for TV right here, right? This is amazing. It's such a wonderful story as well of God's provision, God's faithfulness, and God's direction. The eunuch is searching for God but confused. Philip is proclaiming the good news and willing to listen to the direction of the Holy Spirit. And they are brought together so that the eunuch can have life in Christ. Now this account has strong connections to us as well in our lives. First of all, we might be like that eunuch seeking after God and wanting to know him, wanting to be in relationship with him, but not sure how to do it, not sure what steps to take, not sure what to do to come into relationship with God. This eunuch was someone, because he was a eunuch, was excluded from certain aspects of Jewish worship. Because he had not become a Jew, was separate from some aspects of Jewish worship. He was a person on the outside, desiring to be in, and yet not sure how to get there. If you're in that place, where you feel like unable to get in, unable to connect with Jesus, not sure what to do to have forgiveness of sins and to inherit eternal life, if you're in that place, If that's you, has God pulled a person to the side of your chariot whom you can ask your questions to? Has he put someone in your life who can explain to you the good news of Christ? If so, ask that person for help. If not, pull along somebody today, alongside somebody today, and ask them to explain to you how to inherit eternal life in Jesus Christ. How to get a relationship with God. Don't remain in uncertainty, but believe. Or, maybe you are a person who has put their faith in Jesus Christ already. If so, then is the Holy Spirit guiding you into an opportunity to share your faith with someone else? Now, it's easy to take it out here and say, well, no. Right? No, I'm not like Philip. Right? I haven't had an angel visit me and tell me to go down to that road. So I'm free on that count. I don't have to worry about it. Right? Nice try. Nice try. 
Remember, that part of the story was only a small event in Philip's life, that specific call. What else was Philip doing every other time we see him? Preaching the good news, right? And we assume that it wasn't like an angel every time saying, okay, preach the good news. Philip preached the good news. Philip preached the good news. No, that was just how Philip lived his life. He proclaimed the gospel with everything. It came out in every story he told. It came out every time he met somebody new. It was just his story. And so whenever somebody asked him for his story, he shared it. And whenever he had an opportunity, he shared it. He didn't wait for the angel to send him to a road to share the good news. Instead, it was the way he lived his life. Is that the story of our lives as well? Have we become so intertwined with Jesus Christ that his story is our story? That in talking about our life, we talk about his life. My friends, the days are quickly fading into the past when there was a general understanding of Christianity and the gospel in our culture. Those days are gone. Right? There is not a general understanding out there of who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for this world. People just don't know anymore. And so you and I, we might be the only person in that person's life who knows the story, who knows who Jesus Christ is, who knows what it means to have a relationship with him. You and I might be the only friend they have who knows Jesus. If so, what are we going to do with that precious message that's in our hearts? I'm not telling you to bang them on the head with it because that does not work. right? But how can you compellingly, gracefully share the hope of Jesus Christ with those people in your lives who are yearning to know that good word? What are we going to do with that treasure that has been entrusted to us? Now, like me as an 11-year-old with a master lock, the world is crying out with the question, how can I, how can I understand unless someone guides me? How can I come to Jesus unless someone guides me? The question we must ask is who, who will guide them? Let's pray. Lord God, you have entrusted us with the most precious thing in this whole world, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord God, you've given it to us. Help us, Lord God, to receive it anew today. Help us, Lord God, to confess our sins to you, confess the ways we fall short to you, And to be forgiven, Lord, to be forgiven. And not just forgiven, but still remembered, Lord, as that sin is still there. Lord, but you promise that as far as the east is from the west, so far will you cast our sins from us, Lord. And that they are not even remembered anymore by you. Help us to trust that this is true. Lord God, forgive us for our fear, for our fear of sharing this treasure with others. 
our fear of the fact that they might judge us, Lord, our fear that they might look down upon us because we believe in you. Lord God, we confess this to you. We pray that your perfect love would cast out that fear and that, Lord God, you would give us opportunities this week to share your hope with someone else, Lord God. May we be able to do it in a way that is winsome, grace-filled, filled with joy, because this message is not one of condemnation, but of freedom, Lord. Lord, make our lives so entwined with your life, Lord, that our story becomes your story. Lord God, help us to proclaim your good news, not only with our words, but in our lives as well. And we pray, Lord God, that you give us the strength to go forth from this place, entrusted with this treasure, and desirous to give it away. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.